As always, it's good to be together. Again, my name is Kurt. If you are visiting with us this morning, a special welcome to you. We would love to have a chance to get to know you a little better, so please don't rush off after the service is over. We have uh, uh, an espresso bar called Mission Mochas, and if you pick up a a guest card at our info center out there, we have a couple free espresso drinks for you, and we'd love to talk to you a little bit over coffee and find a little bit more about what brings you to Faith Covenant this morning. I had a fun full weekend with uh, a lot of the people from our worship team. We were at the CMS conference, which is, I think if I get this right, the Christian Musicians Summit uh, up in the uh, uh, northern part of the city. And uh, we had a couple days of just listening to uh, some great worship, uh, having some breakout and some training sessions, and all with the idea of coming together as a team to receive some training and some input and then to debrief where God is in the midst of that and how God is working in us to develop us as leaders in our worship ministry. And it was really significant as I was anticipating uh, the topic for this morning as we come into uh, building a culture of godly leadership. What does it look like for us as Christians to put ourselves into a position where we, we take on the mantle of leader? I think often in our churches today and even in our surrounding culture, we, we kind of identify that we have a, a leadership problem. We have a, a gap of leadership. We, we're always asking for more and, and, and deeper and better leaders. Uh, we don't feel like we have enough leaders. Uh, and uh, Professor Robert Banks says that when we say that there is no leadership or begin to feel like we're lacking leadership, what we're often saying is that we feel like there's nothing happening to deal with the problems that we feel need to be addressed, the, the challenges that need to be overcome, and there's no one that's taking the lead to step out and, and make things different than they are. We want strong leaders in our culture We want people to deal with the problems that we see and to take things by the reins and to charge ahead and say, I will will deal with these issues and this problem. The standard model of leadership today really begins to take its shape from the predominant world around us. And what we find is that leadership in in many of our uh, perspectives takes on the the value of that independent, uh, self-sufficient leader who can take on the responsibility for a cause or organization and be the face and be the champion and be the one that's out there in the front, depending on their skills and experiences and their quick decision-making ability. And the emphasis is really on doing and accomplishing tasks, helping us to achieve our goals, and very little attention is given to the relationships that sometimes are left in the wake of strong, effective leadership. The model really focuses us on how we use power and authority and position to get things done. Leadership really in our day and age, I'd like to suggest this morning, has really become more about effective management and bottom line outcomes and quantifiable measures of success. Followers really become those who provide services to the leader in charge. Followers are less about leaders themselves, and in this model there's not as much appreciation for the role of community and how it fits into a larger understanding of having a culture of leadership or even a culture of godly leadership, which is really what I'd like to talk about today. As we anticipate being a church that is on mission with God, that that is being called out by God to set 
big goals and to achieve big things for the name of God's kingdom? What kind of leadership do we think that we need that's going to take us from here to there? What kind of leaders do we want to raise up and develop in our community? What kind of leadership is it that we really imagine when we think about where God is leading us as a church? And a part of our goal with this whole series is to, to take the things that we're dreaming of, the things that we're imagining, the things that we're thinking that God is calling us to, and holding them up to the light of Scripture, and asking ourselves, are the things that we're wanting to do, are the, are the goals that we're wanting to, ourself, to pursue ourselves truly in line with what Scripture says the church should be about, and why God created the church in the first place? In that sense, Christian leadership really starts with contemplating who God is and that God himself is a triune God that exists in community and that leadership has to start with an understanding that leaders are only leaders in the community. And in that sense, I'd like to walk through today how I believe Christian spiritual leadership, according to a biblical perspective, is much more about spirituality, character, and community than it is about skill, decision-making, and my own ability to be successful in my life. As we talked about, as we came to the table this morning, where we looked to Jesus as the model of of a a true Christian spiritual leader, I mean, who else are we going to look to to be a Christian leader than than Christ, who we we claim to follow, right? We look to Jesus, and, and we see the picture of him coming to the end of his three-year training process in leadership with his, with his 12 guys, right, that he's invited into his personal life, and he's walked with them, he's trained them, he's given them experiences to go out and try it out and come back and debrief. A lot of the things that we do as well when we want to raise up and train leaders, he gets to the end of this three-year uh, cohort on Christian leadership, and they're having the final dinner and they're sitting around the table, and, and you can imagine that, that he's going away, and he's going to say, I, I need to leave you with those few things that you need to remember about all the things that you've seen and you've heard and that we've done. And they're talking, and they're, you can imagine they're bantering and telling jokes and having fun because they don't really understand what's coming. Jesus does. But they're, they're having fun, they're feasting, and Jesus passes bread around and he says, you know, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembering me. And he passes the cup and says, this is my blood shed for you. And they're thinking, okay, you know, this is a leadership metaphor. This is a great analogy. You know, life is sacrifice. No idea that in just a few short hours, he's literally going to have his body broken and his blood shed for their sins and for the sins of the whole world. And so they, they in, in their dense, you know, minds, so, you know, we can probably relate to them, they're, they're, an argument breaks out about which of them is going to be the greatest, right? Oh, God, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, you know, who, who's going to be, you know, the top dog on your throne? Who's going to sit on your right hand and your left hand? Is it, is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be James or John? Which one of us is going to be in charge? Because it really is all about who's the top dog, right? Who's, who's going to be the real leader? And Jesus, you can just imagine him hanging his head after three years going, you guys just kill me.
And I think too often we forget that as Christians, as Christ followers, it's our own egos and our own sinfulness and our own brokenness that we bring to Christian leadership that continues to just kill Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he gave his life. Is because it's our own sin and brokenness that needs redemption, that needs healing. It's our own sense that we need to somehow put ourselves into that first place in order to be successful, in order for other people to see that we're worthwhile, that, that we're good enough, and to, to feel like we're popular and, and to be affirmed by the accolades of other people. And we bring that into the church and we bring that into our businesses and we bring that into our culture and we think it's more about the person of the leader rather than the role and the function of leadership and Jesus said if you want to look to me and you want to look to my example you want to understand what leadership is all about it's not about being the leader it's about how you serve the people around you If you want to be a leader in God's church, if you want to be a leader in God's faith community, the question is not how high you can climb on the ladder and how big your title or your position or your degrees on your wall can be, but how low of a servant can you be to model the same love and the same sacrifice that Jesus came and gave for you and for me? As you look out there to the world, Jesus says, you're going to see kings and rulers and and rock stars and even pastors that rule their authority over their people because it's really all about control and management and getting to the goals. And if we can accomplish the goals that we set out for ourselves, then we can say, hey, that's a good leader because he can marshal the forces to accomplish the goal. But if, but if that's our only understanding of leadership, then we can often miss all of the broken relationships that are left in the wake of that kind of leadership. Now, it doesn't mean achieving goals is wrong. It doesn't mean that leadership skill is not something we value. It's not saying that as Christians, well, we just make ourselves a doormat and we don't try and achieve any goals or set any strategic plans or do any of those kinds of things. Those are all important. But if those are the priority, we miss the deeper, more more important things that God says is the true ultimate goal of all of those plans and strategies and skills, which is healthy, missional community that serves one another in God's name and meets the needs and solves the problems of our relationships and the world around us. Good Christian leaders, first and foremost, have to be good followers, right? That's where the spirituality of leadership comes in. If we come and we say, you know, we are leaders in our organizations or in our churches or in our places of business, but we don't understand how to be a good follower then we're not going to understand how to truly lead people and exercise leadership in a relational way that invites other people on the journey with us. You know, one of the things that I say fairly often on most Sundays and in a lot of ways is I'm one of the pastors here. And it's kind of become a little bit of a joke, and we, we play with it, and it's fun. But, but there's something important about that, and there's a reason why it's important for me to introduce myself as one of the pastors here. Because while I do carry the title and the position of lead pastor at Faith Covenant Church, that's kind of meaningless when you go to the biblical perspective of leadership. 
Because the Bible very clearly says in Colossians 1, 15 to 18, that Jesus is the Son, as the Son is the image of the invisible God. Let me turn there and read the larger context in which the letter to Colossia talks about that. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or CEOs or rock stars. All things have been created through him and for who? For him. He is before all things, and in, all, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Let me say that again. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have what? Supremacy. Do we understand that Jesus is our lead pastor? I mean, the word pastor is another word for shepherd. And the Bible says that he is the great shepherd of the sheep. And if we look to human shepherds to replace the great shepherd, we we run the risk of misunderstanding the leadership call that God has for each one of us. And we put all our hopes and our dreams on a human leader, a human pastor who can be the leader of the organization, who can solve all our problems, who can make everything okay. And the kinds of expectations that we put on our leaders, whether it's our lead pastors or our youth pastors or our worship pastors or the people who serve in in, in our churches, become so unrealistic and unmanageable that we set an expectation for what the Christian life is about that nobody can ever live up to or attain. And so as we as a church talk about what is God calling us to be and to do, and we're going to set strategic goals for our mission and and, and the vision that God is giving us, what is the ultimate outcome that we believe God is calling us to achieve? Is it greater success and pride in in the size of our church and how many butts we have in seats? And is it the the number of people that we have on the platform and and how great the, 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 the music is? Absolutely, right? (laughs) Is it how comfortable the cushion is under your seat as you come on Sunday morning so that you come to a comfortable place where you can be ministered to? Uh, How many times have you heard people talk about churches that they've visited or they've experienced it and they've come away and they said, you know, I, I just didn't get anything out of their worship. When was worship something that we were supposed to get something out of? Isn't worship something we're supposed to give away to God? You see, we've been so influenced by the culture around us that often I don't think we understand how radically different Jesus' approach to life and ministry and leadership really is all about. It's completely upside down. If you want to live, Jesus said, then you have to pick up your cross and you have to die to yourself every day. If you want to lead, Jesus says to his disciples, you got to put on your apron and become a servant to those around you. If you really want to be a leader in the church, if you really want to develop leadership skills, then learn how to love people and use everything that you have and you are as a service to other people in the name of God, to lead them into a relationship with God. You cannot be an effective leader 
if you don't know how to be an effective follower. And in following Christ, we understand that we are servants of one another. Christian leadership starts with the presence and the power of God's Spirit in our lives as we humble ourselves before Him and say, Holy God, who am I to even stand up here and tell you guys anything? Because if you knew what was in my life, right? If you knew what was in my heart, and yet because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, we come together as those who are broken, fallen human beings, and we say, we have a lead pastor, and his name is Jesus. And those who live their lives in the way that he modeled are worthy of us paying attention to them and modeling our lives after them. And then we can begin to create a culture of godly leadership where the kinds of things that we see God doing in and through us are not things that we take credit for, right? Because the Holy Spirit shows up and the power of God moves through our lives and we bring the the five loaves and the two fish that we have and we allow ourselves to be broken by God and God uses us in ways that we could never have thought of or imagined. We go, praise God, that wasn't me. It was God using me to be a blessing to you, to be a blessing to her, to be a blessing to him. You see, leadership in the church isn't about getting greater control and and manipulating greater compliance behind the followers. Too often, I think, we think of the church as an organization in whose people are human resources that are here to be in service to the goals of our organization. All the while, the church is intended as an organization to be in service to the ministries of its people. How, are we, how can we serve you? How can we help you find your call? How can we help you understand how God wants you to invest your gifts, the skills and the experiences and the talents that he's given you, not so that you can climb the success ladder, but so you can be more and more of a servant like Jesus to those that God would call you to serve. And that's why we need each other. Leadership is not a solo endeavor. Leadership isn't about those few people who rise above everybody else to stand as bright lights in the world. Leadership is about coming together as community. In Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, Paul says, or in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, if you're familiar with Ephesians 5, he goes on to start talking about husbands and wives, Right? Wives, submit to your husbands out of reverence for the Lord. Husbands, submit to your wives and, and, and give up your life as, as Christ sacrificed his life for the church. And he goes on talking about this relationship of, of, of men and women in marriage. And, and we, we understand the challenge of that in our homes, right? And yet if you go on down to the, the bottom of, of the passage, he goes, but... but you know, this mystery of marriage, I, I, it's still a mystery to me. I don't get it. But I, I'm talking about Christ and the church. I'm talking about Christ and the church. I, I'm trying to help you take a practical example of relationship and, and how do you struggle with leadership in your home? Who's in charge in your home? God, God is in charge, hopefully. 
But, you know, I don't care what your, your, your Christian perspective is on the spectrum of, of male-female leadership in your home. And I understand there's a, a wide range of how we can interpret that as, as the man being the head of the household and, and, and all of those things. And, and I think there's value in discussing that and understanding what is God's design for us as human beings. But when push comes to shove and we're living life day to day, there is a power struggle going on there, Right? And Jesus is saying, just like you struggle to maintain a healthy power relationship in your marriage, that's what church is going to be like. Church is going to be a power struggle. You're going to have people with different perspectives and different wants and different needs, and you're going to have men and you're going to have women, and it's going to be messy. And you better figure out early on that the, the only way to navigate that in a godly, healthy way is you have to learn to submit to the needs of one another. You have to learn that it's, it's not your job is to, to somehow figure out how to exert your own power to make yourself the winner, but to ask, how can I give up my rights? How can I give up my needs? How can I sacrifice my wants so that the other person can have their needs met? And you see, if we're, if we're leading like Jesus and we're establishing a culture in a church where we have godly leadership at every level of our organization then what we're doing is we're creating a community that is training people how to live this Christian life and in their homes, in their marriages, in their workplaces. But if we're not careful, it's, it's the unhealthy dynamics of those other places that creep in here and allow us to try and apply worldly perspectives of leadership in the church. And that gets us all off track. And that's why it gets so confusing and so messy. See, leadership authority in the Bible doesn't come from a title or a position. It comes from God. We, speak, we seek spiritual authority that confirms through God that our leadership in the community is a part of our role in the community. It has nothing to do with my greatness or my skill or my ability. It's how God weaves us together to be a body. And each part of the body is an essential piece in order for the body to function well. Our godly leadership is demonstrated in our mutual submission to one another. And our greatest leaders need to understand that they're called to be our greatest servants. The challenge is that requires humility. It requires faith in God's leadership. And it requires discernment of where the Spirit is leading in the midst of all of those things. The second thing, and we'll, we'll go through the last two pretty quickly here because we don't have all day to talk about leadership, although I'd love to. And, and one of the things that we will be doing as a church is spending more time talking about how do we develop godly leaders and prepare ourselves to all share the load of ministry that God is leading us into. But the last two are character and community. Uh, Rob Banks, again, says character is the conduit for producing Christian service and leadership. We lead out of who we are in Christ. And very simply, we're talking, we're talking about character. We're talking about who, who are we when no one else is around? Who are we when no one else is around? Because you see, this is one of the things I learned at the, the Christian Musicians Summit. We, we got to sit and hear uh, Paul Balash talk about how, how he spends time with God and where his songs come from. And I was reminded very powerfully through his story and his testimony that what we do for God has to flow out of our time spending time with God. 
Because if we're not spending time with God, if we're not allowing the Spirit of God to do that inner work in us, to point out those places where we need to continue to grow, where we need to continue to submit ourselves to His authority and, his, and become obedient to Him in our lives, we're going to be leading out of our places of brokenness rather than our places of redemption. And that's where our human leadership gets things all wrapped around the axle because we end up leading out of our brokenness rather than leading out of our redemption. And the only way we get to those healthy places of redemption is spending time with God and allowing the Spirit of God to do His work in our lives and in our hearts. We have to soak in the Spirit and marinate and allow the Spirit to get down into those deeper, darker crevices where we're so good at going, okay, God, yeah, right here, but no further. Right? God, I love you. God, I, I accept you. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. But, but, but just don't go any deeper than that. Because maybe it's too sensitive. Maybe it's too scary. Maybe it's uh, too hard to give up control of that addiction that we are pursuing, of that habit that we just don't want to give up, of that relationship that is just too alluring. God, you know, we, we want to worship you. We want to be leaders. We want to participate in your kingdom. But, but man, I, you don't ask me to give up those last few little percentages of my control because that's where I really find my escape places. That's where I really find my comfort. But we have to understand that, that when we don't give God all of those places and allow the redemption of God to fully heal us from the inside out, that those are the very Achilles heels that in our own spiritual walk with God are going to continue to bite us in the rear end every time. We're going to take two steps forward and we're going to go three steps back. All the while carrying the guilt and the shame of knowing that's not what God wants. It's not the way he's intended it. And so if we want to step out and be servants and leaders, we have to be, know that our first and foremost priority is to spend time with the God who can give us the redemption and the healing that we need so that when we lead and we minister and we serve in his name, we're leading out of our own healing and not out of our brokenness. The Christian leader's obedience to Christ leads to active service in the name of Christ. And God's call is always to lead us to those who need the healing that we have experienced. It's a high calling. And the primary goal ultimately is not about ourselves, but it's about making disciples. This is really what making disciples is all about. And that's where it comes down to community. Again, if we're gonna be a church that takes the great commission of Jesus seriously to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, that's a lifelong commitment. That's a, that's a huge calling that we have as a church, and it takes every one of us to be able to do something like that. Every experience that you've had, every trauma that you've gone through, every healing that God has worked in your life is a gift that God wants to use to give away to somebody else who's a little bit further back on the journey, who needs that encouraging word from, from you because you know what that is like nobody else does because it's something that you've and only you have been through. There are things that, that you can do that, that I, with all my experience and my education and my training, I could never do because I don't have those gifts that God has given you. Whether they're your, your own experiences or the gifts of how God works through you, we need one another and we need to step up and understand that leadership in the broad sense is simply influence. 
God wants you to be able to influence one other person, one step closer to God. If we could think about leadership in that way, God wants to use you to influence one person, one step closer to God. Man, that opens up a whole, whole wide range of things that each of us can be involved in from a, a leadership perspective. And then as we walk on that journey with God, we will find that God will create a sphere of influence for each of us. Some of us maybe influence three or four or five people at a time. Some of us may preach to a whole room of people at a time. But see, it's, it's not about my role is better or more important or more significant. Each role is significant. And without one another, we can't accomplish the whole mission. And so we have to understand that leadership ultimately is about community. Leaders in the community of faith serve others in Christ's name. That's really what it is all about. In the body of Christ, giving and receiving leadership from one another becomes the primary incentive for us to continue to grow spiritually. And as we talk about making disciples in the future, we understand that if you think about discipleship, one of the ways I, I, I like to say it is discipleship isn't one of the things that we do. It's the one thing that we do. Discipleship isn't one of the things that we do. It's the one thing we do. And if you think about it, if, if you're talking about connecting with somebody out there in the community who's far from God and doesn't go to church and they don't even know who Jesus is, and, and you're having a, a spiritual conversation, that's, that's the beginning of discipleship. But as they might come to know Jesus through our relationship and they might come to be a part of a faith community as they they grow in their spiritual walk and they learn how to use their gifts to serve others, God will lead them into greater and greater experiences of, of leadership in the community and in their lives. And that's part of discipleship too. You know, I think one of the problems, and I've said this many times to colleagues, is that nobody's discipling our pastors anymore. You get to the top of the food chain and, and who's above you? Who's holding you accountable? Who's challenging you to grow in your faith? We, we get to the top of the, of the spiritual ladder as pastors and we just coast on, on everything from the past, but it's so easy to, to miss that vital, vibrant need for redemption and relationship with Jesus Christ, even for us as pastors. You see, discipleship isn't a, a, a one and done kind of process. It's not a, a class that you take and then you, you check it off your list. It's not a Bible study that you sign up for and do that once or twice a year. It's an ongoing, vital relationship with Jesus that takes daily commitment and is lived out in our marriages and in our parenting, in in, in our workplaces, and in our churches. It's a community experience, and leadership in the church requires leaders who are willing to be on their knees and to be feeding from the only source of food that is able to give us the nourishment that we need to survive. And that's why this table is, a, is an important and a critical reminder of the starting place for a culture of godly leadership is it starts with humility and it requires a deep faith and it requires a discernment of where is the spirit leading me and how is God leading me to lead out of my redemption and not out of my brokenness. And men and women, in this is an invitation for each one of you to find that place of wholeness and a starting point on your journey with Jesus Christ, to be a leader in the places that he will call you to serve. 
whether that's in the church or it's in your schools or it's in your workplaces, every one of us is called to be a leader if we understand that our job is to love and to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me?